There have been quite a few innovations in the shooting world over the past several decades, and while others were early adopters, I stubbornly clung to what I knew and was skeptical of new trends. Well, times have changed, and you really can't teach an old dog new tricks. I'm going to tell you about my journey through holsters, handgun optics, and polymer frames. So let's get to it. Hey, Scallywags. Welcome to another episode of our podcast, A Pirate Talks Guns. I'm your host, John Sello. Sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Thank you for dropping in and listening. If this is the first time you're listening to my podcast, as the intro said, I'm John Sello, President and Lead Instructor at the Tactical Pirate. I've been shooting for longer than I care to admit, and have been an instructor for over 30 years. I tell you this to set a frame of reference for what I'm about to talk about, which is my slow adaptation of advances in firearms and their accessories. Now, anyone who knows me will tell you I tend to be very old school. I still carry 1911s and 45 auto with iron sights. Uh, my guns are for the most part factory stock, with the exception of sights and grips. I like proven things that work, so I'm slow to jump on trends. However, I'm not against change when it uses proven technology that gives me an advantage. So let's talk about the changes I've made over the years. Uh, we'll start with holsters. You've got to have a way to carry your pistol. And just sticking it into a waistband, that's just for junior criminals and cartel sicarios. Now, when I started shooting, leather holsters were the only things available. In the 70s, the field was dominated by Galco, Bruce Nelson, Alesse, DeSantis, Don Hume. All of them were leather artisans, and their holsters were efficient and long-lasting. In 1972, Bill Rogers, a former FBI agent and renowned firearms trainer, we're running out of Georgia right now, made the first successful Kydex holster. While Kydex offered a cure to some of the failings of leather holsters, I, I scoffed at them as just, I just couldn't see stuffing my gun into a piece of plastic. But I had to admit, Kydex has its advantages. See, over time, leather holsters wear and soften. Uh, it can make it hard to draw from and Sometimes damn near impossible to reholster one-handed. You also had to have some kind of retention strap on the holster to properly secure the gun. Kydex eliminated these problems. It didn't lose its shape, and by locking into the trigger guard and or the ejection port, it held the gun securely without the need of a retention strap of any kind. One less thing to have to defeat in drawing your gun under pressure. Well, I kind of eased into the Kydex world with my first holster. It was a Comtac Minotaur uh, inside the waistband appendix carry. This was a hybrid holster having a leather back and a Kydex outer shell. I still run this holster, and after 14 years of service, it still looks and feels brand new. Uh, since then, I've acquired several pure Kydex holsters for inside and outside the waistband for my pistols, and even tried my hand at making a few Kydex holsters. While I was initially turned off by the material, its wide acceptance in the shooting community, along with my experience, showed me that Kydex was the way to go. It was durable, inexpensive, secure, able to be formed into whatever design your carry needs required. I became an advocate. 
Now, this is not to say that I've abandoned leather holsters. Leather will always have a classic appeal, and leather holsters can certainly be more than adequate for carry needs. Parker's Custom Leather, a veteran-owned business, recently sent me a tested evaluation holster. It's a sample of an outside-the-waistband leather holster for 1911, and it's, it's beautiful. It's leather, and it's trimmed with stingray skin. Great for the range and other occasions when open carry is acceptable. Hugs the body close enough that a loose-fitting shirt will make the gun disappear. Believe me, it'll be getting its share of use. For everyday carry, though, uh, Kydex holsters and mag pouches will be my go-to. Let's move on to handgun optics. I'm a big believer in iron sights. You really can't get any simpler or more reliable than these. I've always been leery of battery-powered sights on a defensive gun. Matter of fact, when I was getting ready to go to Afghanistan for the first time, the company armorer handed me a red dot optic for my carbine. I asked him if he had any of the carry handles with sights on them because I didn't want anything battery-powered. He went to look for one, and he came back with one, as well as an ACOG. He asked me if I'd prefer the ACOG, as it didn't use batteries. I believe I almost broke his finger snatching it out of his hands and asked why that wasn't what he led with. Now, I had gone to Iraq, and on a subsequent deployment to Afghanistan, I had a red dot mounted on my carbine as carry handles and their ACOGs were available. So I sucked it up, dealt with it as my carbine had irons on it, so when the battery inevitably died, when I really needed it, I would still be in the fight. And, you know, my current carbine carries a red dot, but again, with backup iron sights. So it's not like I'm a Luddite when it comes to dots. I've used them. They're great for quick target acquisition and transitions. But on a defensive pistol, I just couldn't see my way clear to mount one of these when they first came out. Bet my life on a battery? <laughs> no way that was going to happen. And then, with the advent of suppressor height sights and optics with built-in rear sights, I started to warm to them. Dot optics on pistols do offer several advantages over iron sights. Uh, most importantly to me, if you have failing eyesight, the fact that you don't have to focus on a front sight to aim your gun was a game changer. The second, equally if not more important aspect of a dot is that you remain threat focused rather than sight focused. In a defensive situation, this is huge. My oldest son is a deputy sheriff and has been carrying an optic on his duty gun for years now. And to his credit, he has tried to talk me into an optic for quite some time now. He's also been trying to talk me into getting a Glock for even longer, but we'll address that in the next segment. I just getting, couldn't get past the whole battery thing. But with my eyesight failing and her being tired of hearing me complain about it, Mrs. Pirate got me an optic for Christmas this year. She's been running a dot for over a year now and wouldn't do without it. So I decided to give it a try. I mounted a Vortex Venom on my Beretta 92 to see what it was all about. The first thing I noticed is that there was going to be a pretty significant learning curve involved. To draw and acquire the dot in a timely fashion wasn't something natural. Mrs. Pirate dedicated quite a bit of time and dry fire practice to master this, so I knew I had my work cut out for me. And while I'm still not 100% with it, I'm getting better. 
Come range time, I had it out to zero the dot and get some live fire practice in. It only took 10 rounds to get a good solid zero, and I spent the remainder of two boxes of ammo I brought along doing draw and fire single round drills against my shot timer. My goal for that session was to get under a second and a half from beep to round down, down range. And I managed to get there, and my plan was to shoot the gun in the upcoming IDPA match, my first foray into the carry optics division. Let me take a quick break here to give a shout out to the company that made the holster and sent it to me that I was talking about earlier. Hey folks, if you're looking for quality leather gun belts, mag pouches, and holsters, let me turn you on to a veteran-owned company that gives a new definition to awesome. Check out Parker's Custom Leather for all the gear you need to carry with a sense of class. And for you equestrians, they also make bridles, breast collars, and wither straps for your mount. They tell me you'll know what those are because I sure don't. Visit their Facebook page in the show notes and look at their work. You'll be placing your order after you see what they can do. This is where the wheels flew off the wagon with incredible velocity. Match day, first stage was a six-round warm-up. Well, two rounds for me as the sight died after the second round. Took the gun to the safe area and changed batteries. Sight was still dead. Tried two more batteries. Nothing. Decided I'd try using the optic as a giant ghost ring sight the rest of the match. After two stages, I realized that that was nothing more than a waste of ammo. Never had a did-not-finish-before-in-a-match, so I guess I set a new personal record. Got home from the match and was ready to rip the optic off the gun and put the rear iron back on. Even had an email to Vortex spun up. Decided to cool off a little bit before I did anything. But the thought that stayed in my head was, what if this had happened on the street? The next day I put another battery in it and the site powered up. It stayed powered up for two more days. So I took it to the range with me. I had an individual lesson scheduled and decided to shoot my Beretta after the lesson. Come time to shoot, I got three rounds through the gun before the optic died again. Now I had been feeding it batteries that I ordered from Amazon. Fifteen batteries for seven dollars. I soon found out that they were worth every penny. Uh, I ran to Walgreens, bought a Duracell battery, went back to the range, put it in the optic, and it powered right up. I ran 60 more rounds through the gun with no issues. Had an individual lesson two days later and ran another 100 rounds through the gun afterward. No issues. Just shot the Beretta in a steel challenge match this past Saturday, running another 150 rounds through the gun with no issues. So apparently the problem was cheap batteries that may have been slightly undersized. I don't know because I tossed them before I thought about measuring them. But this failure was enough to destroy my trust as a carry optic for the time being. It also showed me I need to have a gunsmith build up a suppressor height front sight for me. The 92 I have has its front sight as an integral part of the slide, so I can't just swap it out. The optic has two white bars on the back to give you a sort of a kind of rear sight. I get the front sight height up and I may consider it good for carry. But let me tell you, when the optic works, it's awesome. Target transition is a lot faster when you don't have to line up sights from one plate to the next. Just keep the gun moving and squeeze the trigger when the dot comes on target. 
once I get past the reliability issue, I'll be a true believer. And I mentioned earlier that my oldest has been trying to get a Glock in my hand for some time now, so that brings us up to the polymer frame guns. Gotta say up front, I'm not a fan. This is a leap I have yet to make. Now, don't get me wrong, I understand that there's a real market for them. Glock has been crushing the tactical Tupperware market for decades now. Mrs. Pirate's carry gun is a SIG-365, and she has no problems with the polymer frame. They're just not for me. I like the additional weight that a metal frame provides as it helps in keeping the gun on target for quick follow-up shots. And a little bit of extra maintenance to keep the rust off is something I grew up with, so I don't find it troublesome. I, I get it, though. In today's concealed carry market, smaller and lighter is the match for the manufacturers are chanting. And some of the advantages, like being able to swap out grip modules, are undeniably selling points. And I'm sure that sometime in the future, a polymer gun will wait, make its way into my safe. So let me know in the comments what leaps you're having trouble making. I can't be the only one. So there's my take on the pros and cons of different types of holsters, sights, and guns. I openly admit that I have biases, but they've been forged by years of experience. I'm open to change, just at the right time with the right gear. If you enjoyed this podcast, let your friends know and consider subscribing. If you're in the Anderson area, I still have a couple of openings in my Saturday, February 25th, South Carolina Concealed Carry Permit class. I put a link to our class calendar in the show notes. Until next time, shoot safe.